titled my message today, Who You Are. Glory to God. Who you are. A lot of times people are committing suicide because they have no purpose. They have no plan. They've lost their direction. They don't know why they're here. They get disoriented by broken relationships and uh, just not having uh, the things in their life that they need to have. And so they feel like they're not, their life is not living. But one of the things I remember when I received Christ as my Lord and Savior, I remember how I felt I now have purpose. I know why I am. I know why I'm alive. And uh, don't get me wrong, I had a job. I had a place to live. and I wasn't hurting financially. Um, I had all the weed and beer that I wanted at the time. And uh, so that was, uh, you know, of course, not the problem. But the problem was, is I lacked purpose. I lacked a reason for living. I had come to the place, and I'm sure that my mother's prayers and others praying uh, brought me to the place where I felt like this can't be all there is. That we just live our lives and make enough money to eat and have a roof over our head. And then we marry and we make babies and, and we uh, have to make more money because we had them. And, and then, then they get older and they go to college and now we have to make more money so we can afford that. And uh, the list goes on, and then we die, and we left them to run on the same hamster wheel that we ran on. Because this is what society has told us is meaningful and what our purpose is. But I came to the end of that, and, and uh, I was 19 years old, and I literally, um, I was religious, but I had no purpose. And I cried out to God. I had to say to God, God, if you're real, I really need to know it. I want you to show me. And I'm weeping and crying. Next day, I go to work. At the end of the day, we're going into the tool room of Nellis Air Force Base. And a young man comes and approaches me. Um, and uh, it was shortly after, of course, I offered a friend of mine uh, uh, if you wanted to get, get, you know, get high this weekend, you know, because I had some good weed. And, and uh, he, of course, gave me this story. He said, well, I, I quit uh, because I found God. And uh, being religious, of course, I was like, that's great. I know, good for you. And, uh, but that didn't change me. I was thinking, man, that's great that he found something, you know. And I'm all for religion. God was out there with all the other details of life of importance. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, but a more, vet, uh, a more uh, mature believer came and challenged me, and he showed me where God was in my life and where he wanted to be, and he used the word of God to do it. And I chose that day that I will surrender my life and give up the throne of my life to God. And that's when um, I became born again, and I remember I now have purpose. With purpose came joy and peace. I know why I'm here. And I um, had given myself wholeheartedly to this. And I was so excited about this new life in Christ that I began to tell others about it. And before, I would tell them about the good weed that I had. And the quality and, and how it takes you to a whole new dimension.
But after that, my experiences of, of that life gave me a platform which, for sharing with people that were potheads or people that were partiers and, 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 and be able to offer them um, a whole new high. You know, hey, you want to get high? They're like, yeah, what you got? Well, there's no high like the most high. Yeah. Inhale this, bro. <laughs> right? So I began without much instruction and little information telling people about this goodness, the goodness of God. Offering them this new life that I had, I began to tell them without very much instruction about um, evangelism or the process of getting people saved. It just automatically, when I got saved, was in me that if anybody, if I have any compassion or any love, I would want everyone else to know about this wonderful life that I have now received. Who would not want this? I was bound and now I am free. How can I be silent? How can I allow all those partiers out there at the Air Force Base who I used to get high with and drunk with and party with, how could I leave them in their condition? Now, don't get me wrong. The first thing that I got from, from God in my heart was, you can't hang out with them anymore. I knew that I needed to separate myself from my friends. And I did. But listen, I want you to know that it wasn't like I had a three-month quiet time. I told everybody about the Lord. I witnessed to everybody, prayed with people to get saved. I just wasn't hanging out with my old friends anymore. But after this three-month period, something happened on the inside of me. And I knew I'm ready for them now. Not to go kick it with them and party with them, but to go in and get them. And so I had received that peace and that assurance in my heart that they no longer have any power over me. And I went in there. I went to their parties with the word of God in my hand, and I began to proclaim the word of God to them. And they began to weep and to cry and some scream and run out of the room. And I thought, now we're having church. Glory to God. But all these things happened before I was even trained to be an evangelist or evangelize. The principles of sharing God's word and how, how processes and things work, I didn't even know them. I was just giving people what I had. And eventually, Pastor David and Vicki, you know, just, uh, you know, probably just short of a year later, began Word of Life Christian Center, and, and they began to uh, disciple me and train me in principles of evangelism and things that I didn't realize and recognize. I just thought everybody knew this stuff, you know? Everybody who's saved is telling everybody about Jesus. But after, you know... 37, 38 years of Christianity, I realized that very few people have this conviction. And oh, how God desires for us to do this. So we're going to look in the Word of God today. Look at Matthew chapter 28. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, for those who take notes, and it says, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So he says, teaching them to observe all things. Observe means to obey, follow, do, keep all his commandments. Other translations say, all the things he has taught us. I'm telling you guys, this is not new. This is what it started with, the church, the early church. Now, the early church, they were doing this in the face of being killed, in the face of being fed to lions and bears and dogs. This was the, what they were doing to Christians as entertainment. Literally tying Christians on poles in this arena and lighting them on fire. And today, the church is silent because we're concerned about being misunderstood or by not being politically correct. Now realize this, you guys, that we have a commandment to teach all things that he has commanded. The reason why our nation is in, heading the direction it is because we have been silent. And we have not stood against things that need to be confronted. I'm not saying that we be mean. I'm not saying that we be unkind. No. The Word tells us that we preach and proclaim the truth in love. We have to have the love of God in our heart. There is a plea from our heart for people to be reconciled to God. In view of all the mercies of God, all that He has done for us, will we let a dying world go to hell? Will we let our nation be given over to the devil? Will we allow our neighbors, our co-workers, to continue in death and sin when we have been given this commandment, go into all the world? This is not just to the disciples. This is not just to pastors, teachers, and evangelists. This is for every believer. The commandment, the great commission. I have been given this command. James Madison, the fourth president, known as the father of our Constitution, he made the following statement. He says, we have staked the whole of our political institutions upon the capacity of mankind for self-government, upon the capacity of each and all of us to govern ourselves, to control ourselves, to sustain ourselves according to the Ten Commandments. And we're living in a day when they're pulling the Ten Commandments off of our courtrooms. Oh, what a scary thing to have on the wall, thou shalt not kill. Come on now. Why is this? We have sat back, church. We have sat back and have stayed silent. There should be an outrage in our hearts. But pray, yes, pray. But we have to also say. We have to also do. And how we win this nation, you cannot legislate righteousness. Yes, vote your conscience based on God's word. Yes, vote for the candidate that matches the book the best. Y'all with me? But you cannot legislate righteousness. We will have to individually talk to our neighbors, our coworkers, people in the marketplace. Come on now. Use your gifts and your talents, your influence for God's kingdom.
Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to be eventually looking um, verses 9 through 21. Um, if you want to write that down. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9. I'm reading from the Amplified Bible, the classic edition. It says, therefore, whether we are at home on earth away from him or away from home and with him, we are constantly ambitious and strive earnestly to be pleasing to him. What are we doing? We're striving earnestly to be pleasing to him. Listen, this is bigger than not smoking, drinking, and cussing. I'll talk to the side over here. It's, it's got to be bigger. Pleasing God. Listen, purpose. Remember I said, man, I got saved. I have purpose. Listen, I was consumed with that purpose. Preaching the gospel. Telling people, who wouldn't want this? Oh, my goodness. We're consumed with it. Jesus, you know, he was 12 years old. They lost him. He's gone somewhere. Incidentally, back in 2014, I went with the ministers over to um, Israel. And, uh, man, we're at Jerusalem, finally, the great city, which was so moving and so cool. But I'm just taking a side note that there's little tiny kids are running around. And I'd be look and see a kid run by, and I'd be looking for a parent, looking for a parent. Apparently not. This happened several times. I'm like, oh my goodness. You know, you always hear about Israel and bombs and scary. Apparently, it's not really that bad. So anyway, I get back with the group and, and uh, say, hey, I know why Jesus was misplaced. They're like, they're all looking at me like, what? They don't want their kids. <laughs> of course, everybody laughs. But when they finally caught up to Jesus, they said, where were you? He said, don't you know? Don't you know? I must be about my father's business. In other words, he's thinking, for sure they must know this. Doesn't everybody know that we must be about our father's business? That we should have this uh, compassion for the lost, for hurting people. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Listen, it ha the, the, the job has not changed. He said, all power has been given unto me, authority has been given unto me. And then he says, go ye therefore. I'm giving you this power to do what I would be doing. And so now we go and we declare and we help people find him. We get hold of folks and bring them to him. Here, meet my Jesus. He's really good. He's good. Taste and see that he's good. Y'all with me? Verse 10. So we want to please him. For we must all appear and be revealed as we are before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive his pay 
according to what he has done in the body, whether good or evil, considering what his purpose and motive have been and what he has achieved, been busy with, and given himself and his attention to accomplishing. Oh my goodness. We're going to have to give an account for this. Oh my goodness, folks. What are you busying yourself with? Are you too busy to tell somebody about Jesus? Are you too busy to stop? Listen, for me, there's only really one thing that will stop me from working out, and that's telling somebody about Jesus. I go to the gym. I don't have a lot of time. I have actually missed some of my workout as a result of telling somebody about Jesus. And so I'll go there. I've probably gotten 50-some people saved over the years of working out. It is my little harvest field, if you will. It's where I can take the time. Turn to your neighbor and say, take the time. Prayed with people to get saved. I've prayed with um, Mormons that were in adultery, and I've prayed with them to come out from it. They say, I feel so condemned. I feel so condemned. I feel so condemned. I tell her, you don't have to. God will take all of that condemnation from you. Prayed with her to get saved. This is a Mormon person. And she gets saved. I told her, nobody knew. You have to tell your husband. She's like, oh, oh my God. Ah, ah." I said, you will live in this dark place until you do. He probably already suspects. He does. Long story short, he gets saved, confesses. A little bumpy road, as you can imagine. God restores and is restoring their marriage. And this family has been saved. Why? Because I was not silent. I didn't stop when she told me I'm Mormon. I did not stop and go, oh, when are those? <laughs> we don't stop for any reason. Not for the, whatever confusion they're in or sin they're in or skin they're in. Y'all hear me? Do not allow their skin to stop you from sharing Christ with them. Y'all with me? Or whatever else you think. Listen, they can be tattooed from head to toe. They could look um, queer as a $3 bill. I keep saying stuff that aren't right. I'm sorry. But listen, I am not afraid to talk to any person about Jesus. No matter how they are bound, I'm going to tell them about Jesus. This is how we all have to be. God's going to direct you to talk to people that you personally would not prefer to talk to. Personally, on a natural level, I'm saying. In other words, they may not hunt and fish like you do. They may not like the music you listen to. They may not like anything about you, possibly. That's what your brain would tell you. But God told you to go share my love with them. And it might be his strategic person to go to that person. Isn't that something? God is so cool. 
I've wrestled with him so many times when he's asked me to talk to people. The gym is hilarious. There's so many people there, you know. Go tell him. Actually, go invite him to church. I'm like, invite him to church? He looks angry. I don't even want to talk to him. I'm going round and round with the Lord, you know. I'm not talking to him. No, he don't want this. He don't want none of that. I literally got done with my workout, went all the way out to my truck in the back part of the parking lot. I could not get in the truck. I'm like, all right. I mean, I'm just angry too. Now I'm angry. Back in the gym. Look for the guy. Where'd he go? Find the guy. I believe God wants me to invite you to church. Really? Yeah. Well, where is it? We're on Buffalo and Gowan. Well, what time's the services? Eight? At that time, it was eight, 10.30, you know? And I'm just then like, man, I hope to see you. And I gave him one card, because I did go all the way out to my truck, so I had a card now, and gave it to him. Walk away confused. Wow, that went a little different than I thought it would, you know? Bottom line is God's called each and every one of us and given each and every one of us this responsibility. Praise the Lord. So we will um, be judged and there are rewards for doing this. There's rewards in eternity and there's rewards in the now for fulfilling the plan of God. Glory to God. Verse 11 says, Therefore, being conscious of of fearing the Lord with respect and reverence, we seek to win people over, to persuade them. This whole conversation is about sharing the gospel and telling people about Jesus. But what sort of persons we are is plainly recognized and thoroughly understood by God, and I hope that it is plainly recognized and thoroughly understood also by your consciences, your inborn discernment. So being sensitive to God concerning people and their lives and sharing the gospel is something that God put inside of you. This is the, the actual supernatural impartation of God just from being born again. And why I, as that new believer, immediately began to share the gospel because I was impregnated with this purpose of which every believer is impregnated with to do it. You say, I'm scared. Well, that's the biggest reason that people don't share the gospel, that we are afraid of their faces, the Old Testament says. God said, don't be afraid of their faces. And it's interesting, when you read that passage, it's not in my notes right now, but, but when you read that passage, it says, don't be afraid of their faces, lest I have something come on you. Well, the principle is true. If you don't share the gospel with your neighbors, Satan will take them over and they will come and take your house over. If you think just because you're saved that God's going to allow you to just live in your nice little bubble. I mean, our nation, one nation under God, indivisible, undividable is being divided as we speak. The lines are being drawn. Oh my goodness. 
states, each state is being taken either by, over by righteousness or foolishness. Amazing things. We are living in the last days. This is not a time to be silent, you guys. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So we see here there is a mandate upon the whole church, each and every individual, to proclaim God, what God's power would do and have you to proclaim. It's inside of you. It's a very easy thing when you yield to it. People will go, what have you been smoking? I had them say that early on. Like, man, your eyes, something's in your eyes. I go look in the mirror thinking, oh, man, do I look stoned? No, they, they, see something, they see something in my eyes. They see something different has happened. Glory to God. They'll see that about you if you will open your mouth. Let's look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ controls and urges and impels us because we are of the opinion and conviction that if one died for all, then all died. So this power is working in us, moving us to obedience to tell the people of his goodness. Verse 15, and he died for all so that all those who live might live no longer to and for themselves, but to and for him who died and was raised again for their sake. So his death, burial and resurrection has changed our purpose. I was given a purpose. Now I have peace. I used to have to smoke it, snort it, drink it, chase it, jump on it. But now I can sit on the back porch with a popsicle and go out of my mind. I am so cool with doing nothing in him. I have peace. I have peace. And so often I'll be out and about and he'll direct me to tell them. You don't always have time to share the entire gospel necessarily, but you can say something. God loves you and cares about you. He loves you dearly. And he wants to help you. And people, their walls break down. You have that open door of utterance into their life and can draw them into his kingdom. Praise God. This is really, honestly, the only way that you can make your father rich is give him souls. Everything else is temporal, Everything else will burn with fervent heat. Everything else will fade away. It's only lives that we can give and bring to him. We, we will lay before him all of our crowns. In other words, all of our righteous works and righteous labors, we will lay before him because it was his work in us. This is our primary work, is bringing people to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is so good. Verse, uh, uh, where am I? 16? Yeah, thank you. Uh, did I read 16? Did I? Oh, I didn't think so. I thought that's where I was. Thank you for your help, though. I appreciate it. Any help, I always like it. Verse 16 says, Consequently, from now on, we estimate and regard no one from a purely human point of view in terms of natural standards of value. No, even though we once did estimate Christ from a human viewpoint and as a man, yet now we have such knowledge of him that we, we know him no longer in terms of the flesh. 
Verse 17, therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creature or creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. But all things are from God, who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself, received us unto favor, brought us into harmony with himself, and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation, that by word and deed we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. So all believers, all believers have been given this ministry. Earnestly, if people say, what is your ministry? This would be the first ministry that all of us have. I am a minister of the gospel. You say, are you ordained? No, you don't have to be. Yes, well, you are. He ordained you. You Yeah, here you go. You are now ordained. Go for it. Go. (laughs) Get them. Tell them. Praise God. Hallelujah. Then you ask yourself, do you wake up every day? Asking for God, for divine appointments, divine connections, people you can tell the good news to. I'm going to ask you to set goals. Set goals that God will bring people into your life. You can ask for every day. Maybe every day is too much. Maybe you can look for somebody in one week. Lord, this week I'm believing for an opportunity to share the good news and to pray with somebody to receive Christ. Listen, just trying to sell a product isn't what makes, you know, puts bread on the table. It's when you close the deal, right? So, and, and inviting people to church, that's, that's important, and I encourage you to do that. But unless you pray with them, their father is the devil. Do you think the devil wants his kids going to church? They might have gotten real excited about your church, but then their, their father starts talking to them. So it's a lot better to pray with people to receive Christ, change their father out for God, and then invite them to church. God has something to work with. Isn't that right? Amen. And so we want to close the deal. I've prayed with people um, right in the uh, takeout window of, of different places, you know. Do you know Jesus? Do you mind if I pray with you? I could hold their hand and now they're stuck in the window. Pray with them to receive Christ right there in that window. Praise God. And I get to make sure they're stuck so they can't get out unless they pray. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm just kidding. I like sitting on the aisle seat for, um, for two reasons. Number one, I'm big, okay? And uh, um, I would rather hang out into the aisle and get hit by the cart every once in a while than um, be all up on two people. Does that make sense? Secondly, I have two people that are pinned down for the gospel's sake. You can share the gospel. You usually got a few hours to do it. You know what I'm saying? You can even ask who they are and show, you know, so friendly, you know, where are you from? What you do? You know, eventually I'm going to work my way into telling them about Christ. And so this is how we live. This is what we're about. We see that we have a ministry. Have you been doing your ministry? Have you been acting on what God created you to be? Why am I here? Number one purpose from God is to be a reconciler, one who brings people back to God. Number one purpose. Otherwise, you get saved, you just disappear, you know, go to heaven. What else would there be? You're saved, mission accomplished, 
But no, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And we see here the purpose and the plan of God. Hallelujah. Verse 20 says, so we are Christ's ambassadors, God making his appeal as it were through us. We, as Christ's personal representatives, beg you for his sake to lay hold of the divine favor now offered you and be reconciled to God. It's like God is standing on the inside of you, beckoning people to come to him. Praise God. God's on the inside of you. We say this for many reasons, you know. Uh, you know, greater is he that's in me than he that is in this world. And, and we say it for the right reasons. In other words, there's nothing in this world too overwhelming. The greater one's in me, I can overcome. But really, the greatest reason he's standing on the inside of you is because there's people that don't have him standing on the inside of them. God's looking to go on the inside of every human being. And you are his go-to person to make that happen. He's relying on you. He's committed it unto you. He's committing it to you, the message of reconciliation. What will you do with what he's committed to you? Just hold it? Sit on it? No. We have the illustrations from the Word. You know, we don't take a lamp and put it under a bushel or cover it up or hide its life. No, we put it on a stand. We put it up on a hill. We put it where you could be seen. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. The enemy has kept you locked down. Well, you're not perfect. You cuss sometimes. Yeah. Listen, the enemy will do anything he can to keep your mouth shut. Where you feel condemned and you feel unworthy, but he has made you worthy. I'm reminded of the story from Brother Hagen, where Jesus, uh, you know, came into his room. And, of course, uh, Brother Hagen, you know, as you can imagine, uh, Jesus walked in your room. You know, you don't really exactly know how you'll respond. But his first thing is he went to his knees and said, I am, I'm not worthy. And that's the disciples' response, right? We're not worthy. And when you see him and see liquid love and you see him look through your whole life and you see that and feel that and sense that, it is probably a very natural thing to do to fall down and say, oh my, I am unworthy to be in your presence. The centurion soldier says, I'm not worthy to have you come even under my roof. So Brother Hagin falls to his knees and says, I'm not worthy. Jesus picks him up and says, stand to your feet for I have made you worthy. And the enemy wants to keep you locked down in this feeling and sense of inadequacy and unworthiness. But God has empowered you. Listen, if anybody in this room was scraped off the bottom of hell, it was me. He scraped me off the bottom of hell and, and he sat me down at his right hand in heavenly places. Not so I could be cute, cool, and, 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 and glow. So I can tell people, you don't have to stay in this condition. I know a merciful God who loves you and cares about you and can help you. And he gives me a voice and an entrance into their life. And prayed with so many and the joy and the peace, the, the, the great um, sense of fulfillment and satisfaction that comes from praying with people to receive Christ is unexplainable. 
And you become addicted to sharing the gospel after a while. And stir your hearts up today, church, to involve yourself in your ministry that God's called you to, and that is the ministry of reconciliation. Telling everybody about him. Sharing the good news. God's plan is great. He needs your voice. Will you be silent or will you speak? Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace on your church, your people. Your anointing and power emboldening us. Your word says that the wicked flee when no one pursues them, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Therefore, today I pray for these here and those who have heard this message that you give them the strength to overcome their fears. That you give them the peace to be able to share your word. That they are not afraid of anyone or anything. But they love you, Father God. And in response to your commandments, they tell the truth in the story of your word. And the message of the gospel is revealed through them. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for clarity of speech. Boldness to declare it on your people, not in just this house, but the universal church being emboldened across the earth, that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord fills all the earth. We know that you are coming, Lord, and we know you are coming soon. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that we are able to be about your business advancing your kingdom, doing the will of God, that we make it a priority in our lives.